Welcome to Geek's Corner. I'm Mr. Daps. I'm Katie. The Chinese word for penguin literally translates to upright goose. Oh no, but penguins aren't as mean as geese. You'd think so, but they got all dressed up and didn't have anywhere to go. That would frustrate anyone. Really depends on the penguin too, doesn't it? Yep. And then they go honk. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry, what noise do penguins make? No. I mean, I'm already pulling the previous sound sample, but... Like, I was just hoping to get another take at it so I could have ones and do's on that. That was pretty amazing. You know what else is amazing? Hi, I'm Cameron. Use the hashtag Geeks Corner tonight if you want to have a conversation with us as you're streaming. Hashtag Geeks Corner on Twitter. If you say something interesting, informative, or otherwise entertaining, we might share your information in the stream now. Or if you'd like to translate Katie's sound effects. What's there to translate? I don't know. I don't know. Goose is Chinese for penguin, so... Which is appropriate, because Penguin Day was earlier this week, right? Yeah, it was yesterday? Sunday? Penguin Day. One of those, Saturday? I don't know. All my troubles (laughs) seem so far away. Yeah, it sounds like such a... We we went down to the the fairgrounds, and we saw the penguins on the Penguin Day. Why, I haven't seen you since last Penguin Day. (laughs) Oh, don't, don't look at him, Timmy. He only comes down here for Penguin Day. Shoot, he must have had the largest upright goose at the last penguin day. <laughs> I got a bl- I got a blue ribbon for my upright goose. I'm sorry, why is everyone in our myth- mythos for the penguin day um from, from ge- this... gentrified like southern Alabama? Yeah. Oof. I have no clue. All right, let's move into the show because I don't know where we're going, which scares me a little bit, but this is what happens when you stay home for it's too long. It's just terrified apparently. every week. Just you know, because we never know. We don't, and that's what makes this show so much fun. Uh, in our 501st episode, that was crazy. Anyway, uh, there's going to be a lot of news, I feel like, coming out in the next uh, couple of weeks regarding the Disney parks. And it uh, started off today um, with a, a meeting, basically, where out of this meeting, we found out what the guidelines the the preliminary guidelines are going to be for the reopening of many different businesses in Florida, among them large theme parks, which Walt Disney World happens to be one of them. We lost a co-host, and uh, there he's back. And uh, and this is interesting, uh, not so much for what it includes, but also what it doesn't include. And I'm just going to go through really quick the theme park guidelines that are proposed right now. Um, yes, with it. And they're going to have a, an official press conference tomorrow, I believe I heard, um, where yes. they... Okay, see? Let, let me see if I can take them through, take, take those guidelines through from memory, if, if you don't mind. Uh, it was, step one, you're like a dream come true. Mm-hmm. Two, just want to be with you. Mm-hmm. Three, girl, it's plain to see that you're the only one for me. Yeah. Then four, as a caveat, was repeat steps one through three. Five was make you fall in love with me. And if ever I believe my work is done, then I'll start it back at one. I have not thought of that song in a very long time. Anyway, guidelines. They're going to have tape marketing, tape marking of six feet apart in the attraction or ride queues. Um, people are going to wipe down surfaces random and uh, staff that are 65 or, old, or older are encouraged to stay home. And that surprised me a little bit. I think Disney's probably going to go further than that. Um, what I am curious about, though, is is those aren't super f- 
difficult guidelines, I don't think. I love the idea, and here's my favorite. It's my favorite of the guidelines. The mandates are a different story, but the guidelines, I just love staff to regularly wipe down surfaces at random. That's the part that got me. Yeah. I love just kind of like a... Well, especially since it's surprise! Disney and there's nothing random. It's no. like, oh, 15 minutes, next thing. Well, um, I also just love the fact that the government is saying, do this at random instead of saying, hey, do this every 15 minutes. I just love well, the and maybe by like the next crazy. draft tomorrow, they'll have every seven minutes. Who knows? I agree completely. Um, uh, my question with the, all of this is, is so they've got basically, I don't I think the other part that was interesting to me is phase one is 50% capacity for parks. Phase two is 75% capacity. And then I assume whatever phase three is, they can have whoever they want in. And that's one of the mandates. Yes. Um, so my big question with this is, is let's say um, this actually becomes a thing, this actually happens, um, which we don't know when or where or how any of those things. That's not we don't been know announced. When. Exactly. We don't know Thank how. you, Cameron. My question is for Bailey to record the answers. Gosh. <laughs> oh gosh, I'm sorry, Bailey, that he puts you up to all this. I know. Uh, but when do you think? Knowing that we have guidelines now, what is your prediction for when Walt Disney World reopens? And, and in any capacity or back up? Just just opening. Um, you can walk through the gate. You can walk through the gate. Like it's, it's open in some capacity. It's technically, because I actually, I think you could have this argument as I'm looking about this or looking at this, um, is you could have an argument that if it's not completely open, are you really getting the complete Disney experience? And, and that's another conversation as well. Um, but let's just say I can buy a ticket and I can go into a park or I can go to Disney Springs or I can go into a hotel because we'll just make a general blanket statement that those count. June 1st. I'm holding to the June 1st thing. I think that... Walt Disney World is internally expecting June 1st uh, because they have, as I've written an article about, they have uh, put a promotion for people that had vacations delayed and they are running it from June 1st to September 30th. Yeah. Um, and so I really think that, and this was like a month ago, so I think that they've been pushing for June 1st and then this just kind of solidified that in some capacity, Walt Disney World will be reopening June 1st. Yeah, and I will agree with Dear Evan Hansen rules. So end of May or early June. Um, but <laughs> so, but I so since we're putting the caveat of just anyone through the gate, that's when I think at least softest opener going to go. I'm I'm still really hesitant to say that we're not going to have reclosures in the near future too. Um, that's me being a little bit more of a pessimist, but. Uh, I, I think they're going to push for it to be as open as they're allowed to be as soon as possible. So probably June 1st is a reasonable guess. I'll say June 2nd, if we're going by prices, right rules. Of course. Um, and uh, so here's but, my, my logic yeah. question for both of you. If let's go with Katie's logic, like logic for a minute and they're selling hotel rooms starting June 1st, they're selling a promotion starting June 1st. Do you think there's a possibility or a probability in my head that they actually open, say, a week, a week and a half before then in whatever opening capacity that is, mainly 
so that they can ramp up to people actually staying in said hotels on June 1st? Or is it just one of those hard, like, hey, it's June 1st, here we go. I mean, we've never seen anything like this before. So it's it's a bunch of unknowns. I'm, I'm thinking it's going to be much more the latter, simply because Disney's methodology is normally to have that slight ramp up unannounced, but that, that's internal control. This is completely external, and because they're very concerned about getting profits up and running as quickly as possible as well, I'm betting it is. Do you think they're going to wait till June 1st, or do you think they'll open it on May 17th? I, between you, me, and Adam, and the entire internet, I'm betting that Adam's not on the show. Back. That's true. Um, I'm betting that date's going to get pushed everything. forward a little bit. I don't think it's going to hold at May 17th. I would not be surprised if it just gets pushed at June 1st in general. Okay, cool. I guess we'll see. Um, it will be interesting to see what the opening looks like whenever it does happen for all of the parks. Um, because I think there's so many different directions they could take. And, uh, and Disney is usually the best of the best when it comes to these things. And, and so I'm expecting them to really set the bar. And, and I, I, I'm very intrigued to see how they uh, welcome guests back in a safe and magical manner. Um, because it's not just like going to a Six Flags or something where you you get your, you know, you're going there for the thrill. You're getting on a roller coaster. They can, you know, get two and a half minutes of fright and then go on to the next one. So much more of the Disney element is getting the um, the magical moments, the musical moments, the fireworks, the whatever. And uh, it'll be interesting to see how that all comes back. And it's interesting, too, we, we didn't report on this. But uh, last night in Shanghai, they actually were testing the fireworks. And to me, that's an indication that there will be fireworks when people come back. And I think Cameron had a prediction on that a month or so ago um, about fireworks and not having viewing areas. It just be kind of, is that what I remember? Right, yeah. Well, t- talking about how the peop- way people congregate. That, when I said that, that was much more specifically for an American audience. Yeah. Um, most of the other parks other than maybe Paris, let's say everything except for America and Paris, they're really good at following rules of where to stand and sit um, for the most part. So I, I, I imagine that giving some strict six foot distancing would, would, wouldn't be too much of a problem for a fireworks show there. Um, specifically, I look to, there have been some recent uh, protests that have happened, I think in Shanghai specifically, where they followed six-foot distancing rules. And it made for really cool pictures, because if you look from a top-down view, it was just like this pegboard out. Pepper, but that was yeah. th- that was an unorganized protest. I'm, I'm betting they'll be able to follow that one. Interesting. All right, well, we will see how that plays out and um, what it actually looks like. I'm curious, too, because... is probably more than we think it is in the parks. Um, And uh, it'll be interesting to see what that looks like as if that, if we even see that, like we don't know that many people will show up. (laughs) Well, and the other thing that I was reading um, in my, in my investigative journalism uh, is that the average day for Magic Kingdom attendance is somewhere between 55 and 60%. Hmm. So maybe cutting to 50%, especially after a pandemic, might not be as insane as we think, because 50% sounds insane. Maybe like that 50 sounds 50. What? <laughs> Nothing, keep going. Shut up. Uh, but 50% sounds bananas, but it might not be as insane as we think. 
Well, those insane bananas, I think, would be more drastically felt at Disneyland, which is a park at a much higher consistent percentage capacity. I agree. And I, I think it'll be really interesting to see what happens in California. I, I do think, and I'll put this on the record too, I think that Walt Disney World's going to open first and it might be a while before we see Disneyland open. Sure looks like it right now, doesn't it? Well, they yeah. have they have more space for social distance. Mm -hmm. Yeah, com completely. And fewer people that are going to crowd in. All right, let's keep moving on. It'll be interesting. We'll keep following this story as we get things that are official. We're not going to just throw out other stuff, but we will throw out things we do that, that we do know come from economic task force, task forces, or Disney itself. Um, or if we actually see fireworks in the sky, we'll report on that too. But we're not going to do the speculation game. Uh, let's move right on. Star Wars is uh, May the 4th is Star Wars Day coming up on Monday, so we thought we would celebrate it early. And uh, first talk about the Cassian Andor live action series that is coming to Disney Plus, where we got some casting news this week. Um, is, uh, the... is Cassian Andor going to be in it? I'm hoping so. Oh. You know, like so far he is, but sometimes these writers, you never know. Um, these writers, who knows? Who knows? The uh, I think the big uh, the big news that came out with this casting announcement though is that uh, Mon Mothma is going to be returning for the show, and I think that's actually pretty cool. Yay, and, Mon Mothma! And uh, and obviously we have uh, Diego Luna coming back. And uh, just looking at the casting, is there anything that really excites you guys about this as we're watching this? develop a little bit and obviously i think they're probably in a holding pattern like everybody else but mon mothma was my big takeaway the other people i am not familiar with their work i thought that one of the guys looked like 40 from the new season of you turns out he was not that guy so um <laughs> I, I don't think know i think you'll actually recognize them uh once you see them on the screen but we'll see Cameron, I, anything jumping out at you? Well, I'm pulling up the list now because I didn't look at it ahead of time. <laughs> Cameron! Um, well, I, I, I will admit, I'm super excited about this uh, show, and at the same time, I'm I've am got a lot of trepidation, uh, mainly because we already know where it ends. Like, yeah. it's, it's one of... I, I have a real hard time with prequels where it's kind of like, well, you know where it gets to, and that'll be fun but at the same time there's not the same i hope they have an element of risk in there that um isn't too predictable and isn't too safe right. Cameron. And i so i also don't recognize many of the names in there i think there was one that was in angels in america that i recognized but that's about it um it I, I think you're right in that the, the uphill struggle with this is going to be the same thing that people had difficulty with Rogue One, which is how do you tell an interesting story when you know the punchline? Um, I think the way they're going to be able to do that is if they, it's not so much about the characters, but rather the narrative arcs that will have effects in other places that we don't necessarily see forthcoming. See, and for, that's, that's for, for, it's the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. thing. Yeah. And, and yeah. that, that ended up, it was good at the beginning, but then they really struggled with it. And that's my concern is um, Mandalorian has a wonderful space to inhabit where there's a lot of emptiness around it. Right. So you can, you, you've got a lot of time to build characters and kill them or, or let them live or whatever it is you want. Um, 
Do this? we have a, a timeline for this, by the way? No. Okay. I mean, uh, so wait, timeline of when the series takes place? Yes. Mm -hmm. Five years before the events of Rogue One. Okay. So basically See, it's like Rebels. Yeah, and that 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 worries me because the the long form series stuff that they did with Clone Wars and Rebels was fascinating because they told stories that ultimately wouldn't necessarily have an effect on the main storyline, but were still interesting because you don't know the answers to them. And this yes. is too connected. And it's too connected. We already yeah. know what Cassian Andor's big contribution to the, uh, I want to say MCU, to the Star Wars cinematic universe, um, <laughs> is, at least to an extent. However, he, I mean, part of his allure was that he had a checkered past, and I would like to see more of the checkered past because the side that has not been explored at least in my opinion, enough is the underbelly of uh, uh, the Star Wars universe. We see some of it in Clone Wars, certainly with uh, the huts and, um, the, but that but kind of thing. But it's not gritty. Like it's, yeah. it's, it's safe and it's, it's kid friendly, I guess is a good way to put it. And I'm sure this like, won't be too bad. Um, who's running death sticks after the prequels? That's what I want to know. <laughs> My, my you want to buy some death sticks? My other concern, as I'm now thinking about this a little bit more, is uh, we apparently have Ahsoka Tano coming to second season of The Mandalorian. Yes. I actually love this idea. I've heard that maybe we'll get Thrawn also, um, which there's some reasons that all makes sense. The part that concerns me with all of this is that they overconnect everything. Um, the timeline you're talking about, Katie, puts it very close to the timeline of Rebels. And so I'm hoping this isn't a, uh, an era that we're going into where it's like, let's see how many connections we can make from a cartoon series into a live action series yeah. and bring the cartoon characters into the live action realm so you see them and you see what their faces look like and you can... You, well, that's, you, like, that's, that's payoff mentality for any serialized universe that they're doing right now and they've seen success with it in some regards but what they're forgetting is that the success was because of the payoff of it uh for example and this is the perfect example because it really has defined a lot of this is endgame endgame was the biggest fan service movie to come out in a decade and it worked because it had 10 years and 22 films of buildup to get to that point. It earned all of that fan service moment, uh, right down to Cap picking up Thor's hammer, where I openly wept in a theater and talked far too loud. These people were with me, they know. Um, oh, yes, we uh, know. Don't forget the uh, moving like this, if I recall. I was or very excited, like okay? <laughs> it's something I've been calling for a decade. It was such finally a fun did movie. It. it was fun. Uh, but they earned it. That's the point. And yeah. th what I, I fear studio executives are seeing is like, oh, the way to be successful is to have something that pays off or references something. Else. When it's it's not. It's about the payoff and what gets to that point. Yeah. You have to earn it and you have to... I mean, I really feel like that is why uh, great examples this season of The Clone Wars, uh, it's such a huge payoff that we had to wait however many years just to get the last season. And then even the way the season is structured, it's the same way where they make you wait for these payoffs. And uh, it's really been incredible to watch because the first part of the season, I kind of was like, uh, this is good, but I don't get it. And then suddenly there's this great wrap up and payoff. And so uh, I'm very uh, intrigued to see. I'm intrigued or I'm 
I'm curious to see where it goes, how they connect to everything else, and if they play it smart or if they they take the easy route. I, I think if they if any uh, studio executives that make for Lucasfilm or Disney are listening, um, high, highly recommended uh, viewing uh, ahead of this is going to be the newest and latest series serieses 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 of Doctor Who since the reboot. Um, they have four things that they have been doing since the beginning. There's the Doctor, there are companions, the Daleks and the Cybermen are going to come back, and the Master's going to show up again. They've been following that cycle since the show originated. And it's still interesting, and it still pays off because they know how to do it. Watch those, learn from that if you want to have good payoff. That's a really good point. Yeah. And, And they know how to stretch it out and really string you along. All right, we're going to pivot on to our last topic pivot. of the night, which is uh, a return to an a article that Cameron wrote. I don't even remember when you wrote it, Cameron. But, it's probably uh, over a year ago, well, yeah. Oh, I'm, I'm sure. Uh, let's take a look. Uh, but anyway, this, it was 2018, in September yes. of 2018, you Oof. wrote this. And it was the best and worst of Star Wars. And so what we are going to do very quickly, because we have eight minutes left in this show... Hmm. is we are going to go through what we think the best and worst of each Star Wars movie is. And I think, Katie, are you going to be ready to go first? I have my article pulled up. Okay. So uh, we're going to go by order of release, even though that's not the way it is in your article, Cameron. I'm that's sorry. Fine. But I'm, I'm a traditionalist. So uh, episode four, Star Wars A New Hope. Uh, what is the best moment, and then what is the worst moment in that movie? And Cameron, if you want to go first, since Katie's making a face, uh, that sure. would be acceptable. I was scrolling. <laughs> oh, okay. I thought that was a, you like, know, oh, I don't You don't remember something you wrote two years ago? How dare you? I know. Um, the best moment of episode four, A New Hope, um, even though there are a lot of good moments, we could do the two, two sunset thing, anything, but the best moment for me is the reveal of Darth Vader through the smoke boarding the ship um, because the the iconography in Star Wars is insane but probably nothing more so than the silhouette of Darth Vader and having like they knew from the beginning they're like oh that's the bad guy that's the bad guy right there that's the bad guy yeah. coming in yep that's the best reveal and your worst moment you don't have to read it right off the last like uh, no, it might change it's all up here okay, uh, the worst good. moment comes from the revamp uh, of them and I have to count it because they're canonical. Um, one of the best co- character choices and revelations for Han Solo was that he shot a guy in cold blood. And by editing it to make the other guy shoot first to make it look sympathetic for Han Solo does nothing for his character, Han Chuck. Okay. Katie. Uh, so my best is that it's like, it's the beginning of something and it's very pure and uh well the thing is like no one knew no one knew that this is going to be star wars yeah so there is it's very fun and at times kind of almost like there's the cheap effects not almost it's cheap effects okay uh it's super fun uh the worst is i i uh smelled your foul stench when i came aboard so you're sticking with your old one huh yeah it's okay leia's accent man okay uh it's rough all right. That's, that's... I think she had just been talking to Mon Mothma a minute ago and was just like, she has that like sympathetic accent thing where she was just like, it's still holding <laughs> well, over. I'm going to mix like, mine up and I'm going to keep us Ooh, moving because we're already crazy. behind schedule. 
Uh, I'm going to say the best is actually the uh, the reveal at the very beginning. Uh, you've got the crawl, and then you've got the ship flying right over, and uh, and I and it I, keeps going. <laughs> yeah, and it just really is amazing. That's a great thing. Uh, worst, I'm actually changing because Cameron brought up the the new canon, I guess you could say, of the movies. Han Solo talking to uh, Jabba the Hutt in front of the Millennium Falcon. Where he goes out? When he steps on. <laughs> <laughs> it's the worst. That's it's so the worst. Bad. It's so it's bad. So... All right. <laughs> keeping it moving quick, Empire Strikes Back, best and worst moments. Uh, best moment of episode five for me is the revelation of Luke Skywalker being able to move things with his mind. Remember, that's not in episode four. That is a new force power. That's a power. new force power, yeah. Uh, when it is introduced, it is done in a fantastic close shot of his face and a close shot of the lightsaber moving. So you instantly understand the connection of what's happening. You don't need any dialogue or exposition to understand that. Excellent storytelling, yeah. Um, uh, worst part is it's a bit nitpicky, but uh, the uh, ATATs, the all terrain armored transports, are impervious to blaster fire, they say so, until it trips. And then it, it can blow up. Well, that's because it lost power to its shields. Yeah. Katie, best yeah. or worst? The best is Dagobah! It's really, really cool, and getting to see all the training is just the best. Uh, and also the fact that Luke just annoys Yoda until he dies is probably my... <laughs> Okay, it's, and my, the worst? it's my favorite thing. And the worst is the idea of what a tauntaun smells like. Ah, okay. Um, I'm going to say best is Yoda's entrance because I just love that. I don't actually remember what I said before, uh, but that's what I'm going to go for. That's what for you the... said. It is? Yeah. Oh, that's funny. Um, and then the worst I am going to say is... Uh, I know this one's harder than I thought it was going to be. Mm -hmm. um, I don't actually think there's anything that's the worst in. That is what Empire you said in the Strikes article. Back. That is. Very oh funny. really? Like yep. I'm thinking through the whole thing. I'm like, nothing's bad. It's a, it's a beautiful. That is word for word almost exactly what you wrote in the article. All right, cool. I'm glad something's. Well, I completely changed episode four, so uh, fair enough. All right, Thanks, Return of the Jedi. Uh, Return of the Jedi, um, it, I know this is what I put in the article because it's been my favorite forever. Uh, Luke Skywalker, there was, so this is very important. Between episode five and episode six, there, there was as much speculation as there was leading up to like Infinity War and Endgame in the modern time. Because mm -hmm. um, people didn't actually know if Luke was going to go bad or if that was going to be a thing. And when he shows up in an all black outfit, you're like, oh that was cool. no. That was but there's, super cool. There's a moment where his, his like, Foldy thing, cool costumes on, folds open, and it shows that he was pure the whole time. It was underneath, and it was what was on the inside. It's good storytelling through costuming. That is brilliant. Although it always reminded me of the Star Trek uniform, but keep going. Oh, goodness. And I don't actually remember what I put for... Well, what do you think the worst is now? Don't look up what you did before. I'm, I'm not. It's uh, Well, I've, wrote, I've written several articles about it, but Boba Fett's the worst, and mm -hmm. I would tell you why. Um... He's in episode five to an extent, but in episode six, he just serves to point a finger. That's that's kind of his thing is he just shows up and he's just like, they're over there. Worst bounty hunter. He could ever. have been anybody. And then he gets killed by a non-force sensitive blind guy. <laughs> yeah. Let's hope he doesn't show up in the Rogue One show. You Katie, guys are so on brand. It kills me. <laughs> you guys are repeating the exact same things you said in the article. All right. Best and worst. Like, Go. We're late. Uh, 
be- I know. Best is um, Leia going, oh, that's my brother. Uh, simply because it's been memed to uh, the world Mac. Uh, whoop, whoop. Uh, Kill Bill Sirens. My least favorite is Slave Leia for obvious reasons because uh, I love Leia and she deserves better than what pop culture has done to that. I think that's fair. Uh, my best, I am going to go with the one I'm thinking of right now, and it's uh, Lando leading the attack force um, in space, because I just think that's a lot of fun, and uh, there's that dogfight element that's really great. Um, worst, I am going to go with, it's similar to what I'm pretty sure I said last time, but I don't like the musical updates. They changed them at Jabba's, and they changed them at the end, and that was a mistake. All right, episode one. Oh, right, we're going in release order. Yes, very uh, quickly, because we're out of time. Goodness, uh, the Darth Maul Qui-Gon Obi-Wan fight is the greatest uh, lightsaber fight in the history of the franchise. Yeah. It's super good. Uh, worst part is probably the two-headed announcer from Pod Racing. Oh, you're probably oh, right. that's Pod Racing. But it's, it's real-world referential. Why are they referencing the real world in the Star Wars universe? It's awful. I second that. Katie, what do you got? Uh, my best is Darth Maul because he's literally the coolest person ever. Yep. He just does cool lightsaber things. Um, and the worst is the introduction of midichlorians. And I quoted Parks and Rec in the article. That's my favorite thing. Okay. Um, I'm also going to say worst is digital effects in that one. Because I remember just thinking you could stick your hand through half of the movie. Uh, episode two. Uh, was episode two sand? Yeah. Then sand. The sand is the sand is the worst. I think we all agree the sand is the worst. Mm, you know, what? I'm gonna put that as my best simply because it's 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 become so entertaining for me that at this point it has value. Okay. Um, my worst is the whole s- trying to kill, and this is something I've thought about a lot more. Um, Queen Queen Amidala, um, a, a dude hired a shapeshifter who hired a robot who hired a centipede to try to go kill her. It's the, the stupidest chain of command I've ever seen for an assassination. Okay. Best is the Jedi battle because it's the coolest thing ever. And I'm going to change my worst because I've gotten really angry about it. Uh, I love Padme's costume in that scene. It's amazing. But the costume design makes literally no sense. <laughs> Someone rips like across her stomach and then somehow it turns into a crop top moment um no one no one scra- it makes literally no sense again they're nope, kind of doing a slave leia moment but with natalie portman yeah. let them be their own characters man yeah. yeah they're trying to make the connection a little bit too effectively um or too overtly um worst i'm gonna stick with sand best i'm gonna go with actually the I think it's called Across the Stars, but the musical theme that's actually behind the sand now that I think about it. But it's one of John Williams' best themes, I think. It's it's right up there um, in terms of that style uh, with Leia's theme or Ray's theme. And they both they all have that kind of beautiful uh, tonality to it. All right, Revenge of the Sith. Very uh, best. Best is uh, Ewan McGregor's portrayal of Obi-Wan. He did a fantastic job of yeah. connecting the dots at that point to transition into Sir Alec Guinness. Um, played the character beautifully. Which is why we need the show. Um, yes. Uh, and worst, uh, the I don't believe the relationship between Padme and Anakin for a minute. They don't write good dialogue for romance. I second sure. that. Katie? 
Uh, my best is two pad or my best and worst two Padme quotes. Best this is how Liberty dies with thunderous applause. My worst is Anakin, you're breaking my heart. <laughs> okay, um, we're just gonna jump because it's in the article. We're gonna hit Rogue One and Solo real fast. <laughs> uh, Rogue One, best worst go. Uh, Rogue One, best is Chirrut Imwe. Uh, that is the coolest uh, character outside of the original trilogies that mm -hmm. has existed ever. Love it. Um, the worst is they, they committed the ultimate sin of films and they announced the title of the film and gave it space to be announced. What's your call sign? But it's the worst. It's the worst. It's uh, even, even though in Star Wars, that's a thing that they announced the titles in the movies. All right, they Katie. gave it too much space. Vest uh, is the exploration of the Force without needing Jedi present. Uh, the worst is Leia at the end and the weird face the CGI thing. thing. Yeah. The weird face CGI they did. I, mm, okay. Be uncomfortable. Um, I'm going to stick with best Admiral Raddus, but I'm going to give an honorable mention to Darth Vader, Darth Vader fight scene because that was yeah, epic. It's so good. Um, and I think the worst is how close they pull into uh, A New Hope, and I feel like it kind of ruins some of the lines of A New Hope. Uh, Solo, a Star Wars story. Um, the best part uh, of that is probably got to be... That was that is that wasn't solo, was it? No, it wasn't solo. Dang it, I'm mixing that one up in Rogue One. I know my worst part. Uh, my worst part is the advertisement to join the Empire um, used a major key version of the Imperial March. Yeah, that was and again. It was outside. It was meta storytelling, and I yeah. hated it. Didn't need to happen. So much. Agreed. Um, uh, I can't. Think John of Williams thing. never would have done that. No, it's so bad. All right, best. Oh. Uh, you know, I really enjoyed, uh, I forget her name, but the, the love interest of his mentor. Okay. Um, Kira? No, the other one that dies at the beginning. Yeah, that does. She's, she's on screen for like five minutes. She was great. an amazing performance. Yes. All right, go. Mine is the Millennium Falcon being so clean and shiny. Who's surprised? Uh, my least favorite is, what's your last name, kid? Uh, Han Solo. Oh, awful <gasps> horrendous horrendous all right um i'm gonna say best moment is uh chewy and han solo flying together um the music the all together as they're flying across the planet in the snow beautiful moment um it's, it's all of the connections i'm gonna say for that uh worst moment is um, i'm probably gonna go with uh the the lowbrow humor of breaking into the uh, the wherever the uh, the Millennium Falcon is is being stored. Oh yeah, yeah. Like oh, that just so didn't yeah. that didn't need to be there. It's not Star Wars. Like Star Wars has humor. It doesn't need to be that kind. Yeah. All right, moving on to the Force Awakens one and two. Go. Uh, uh, best moment was Kirito for X Wings when the X Wings show up for the dogfight. That does not surprise um, me. I'm a huge fan of X Wing fighting in general in Star Wars. It's my favorite part. Literally have a tattoo of it. And uh, I also think it's my favorite of John Williams' songs. Um, and speaking of music, the worst actually pains me a little bit because I think the worst scene in Force Awakens is the uh, Cantina scene, which was Lin Manuel Miranda's song. I don't like that scene. I feel like it is too in referential. And uh, it just feels a lot of places. I can see that. Forced. Okay, Katie, go. Uh, my favorite is the garbage will do. Um, 
that kind of solidified my Star Wars fandom, like, to an extreme, like, to the point where still, when I watch The Force Awakens, that scene makes me cry. Uh, And I can't think of something I don't like in The Force Awakens because I'm a The Force Awakens apologist, and I love The Force Awakens, like, so much. that is okay. I love it so much. Yeah, that that's that's. I'm gonna cry that. thinking about how much <laughs> I love it. Uh, my favorite part of Force Awakens is Ray's theme. I think it's a brilliant oh, thing of so how good. John Williams from the get go had already connected Ray to Palpatine musically, and we didn't even know it was right in front of our face. And it's a gorgeous song, and uh, I just think that was brilliant. And uh, the worst I am going to say is I actually don't like on Han Solo's uh, ship, the other one. Um, with the guys that are coming after Han, where they've got all of the cliche, like, accented guys that just... (laughs) Tell that to Conja Club. Yeah, like, it just... I think they could have done that better. Um, I don't know if it's the worst, but that's what I'm going to go with. All right, uh, Last Jedi. Uh, Last Jedi. uh, That was Mark Hamill's best performance in any Star Wars film. Um, It was. And it was a lot of dialogue about who liked it, who didn't like it. That was the best possible ending and growth for that character imaginable his and it made his role in the next movie that much more delicious like it really nailed it his speech as what the of what the force is was poetry that was the coolest thing ever and presented so even-handed and uh, it was great okay um worst oh goodness um oh so uh when when we get the surprise comeuppance of snoke if they had done half the dialogue in that scene if it had happened much more quickly rather than it being drawn out it would have been cooler okay katie um my favorite and if you want to ever see me cry like a small child is um luke and leia's goodbye scene uh yeah it's beautiful their reunion slash them saying goodbye literally makes me sob like every single time i watch it that's Um, five minutes of music magic too keep going it's beautiful uh the worst surprise surprise porgs i think they're dumb and i think that they were overused for what they originally were anyway okay um i'm gonna go my worst was some of the effects on canto bite uh i actually don't have as much of an issue with that scene as some people um but i do like the i'm forgetting what they're called the the horse things um horse things yeah what are they called Cameron, I'm looking to you. But uh, anyway. Weird six-legged horse things. Whatever they are. Uh, Ew, this guy gets it. Anyway, I feel like there was a couple of those scenes where they just, it looked too digital to me, and I hate yeah. when that happens because that's yeah. distracting. Um, best, I am going to say in this very moment, I think, uh, what is my favorite part of that movie? There's lots of them I could choose. Um I think I am gonna go with the uh, the moment. It's it's Luke becoming one with the Force. Like I, I really think that's a Such beautiful a moment. Yeah. And uh, it was the it was done in a way that I don't think anybody was expecting. And uh, and that's what it should have been. And that was great. All right, we made it to the last uh, the last movie. Almost said the last Jedi. But, When's the last uh, Jedi? The Rise of Skywalker. Best and worst. Jedi. Go. Uh best. The redemption moments of Ben Solo when he comes in to save Ray, yeah. leading up until the end, I won't include the end in it. Um, however, but his his 
his conversation with his father, which caught us completely off guard, was wonderful. But oh. his actions immediately following that show that he's his father's son. Um, oh, so, so much. Some of it got laughed off, but jumping in, saying ow, and shrugging after pulling a lightsaber after his back, it was like, oh, I know your dad. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was beautiful. Um, beautifully acted. Adam Driver did And as I've watched it repeatedly, like, this movie has grown on me more each time I've seen it. Yeah. Uh, now, worst, worst part, and this is extremely nitpicky, but it was pointed out to me recently. Oh, um, no. And it, it bothers me to no end now that I know about it, and I'm going to cast it over to you. Thank um, you. The most important thing about Force Ghosts is that they are intangible, ethereal things that can affect the universe around them through interactions of the Force. Uh, I think it was done well in Episode Eight when Yoda lights the tree on fire, uh, for example. It's all through the Force. The fact that Luke Skywalker catches the lightsaber bothers me so much. It would have been a thousand times I'm happy to tell you that that bothered me the moment I saw it. It, it How'd that happen? If he had stopped it an inch from his hand and held it there, it would have connected everything for all the Force Ghosts and Synergy. It would have had no canonical uptick whatsoever. Yeah, the fact that he touches it. Katie, what do you got? Am I allowed to say spoilers? I think by this point... Yeah, they're just gone. (laughs) Okay, perfect. I think we've already given them all. Uh, My favorite thing is the redemption of Ben Solo. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that it is a beautiful arc. uh, And I agree with what you said about... um, when he, when he talks to Han and the connection with Leia, I think it's all beautiful. Um, on the same note, at least here we know, um, at least for a part, and I'm probably going to get murdered by Raylos, yes. is I hate, is so I hate the kiss. Yeah. It's, they it's, could they could have done the transfer of life without the kiss. Yep. The kiss well, didn't need to happen. I read the book. Okay. Didn't help. Cool. Yeah. Oh, no. Like, that's, that's worse. Like, it, it does try to clarify it a bit. But it, all it did was solidify in my head that it wasn't needed. That is the worst moment in that film. I would well, agree with that completely. And, and the thing is that they try to make it not romantic. And I'm like, then why did it even happen? Yeah, yeah it, it wasn't romantic, supposedly, in the book. But uh, I don't care. Um, yeah, so that is by far the worst moment. Uh, best moment I'm going to go with is the cavalry arrives... Um, when it seems like all hope is lost, and then you've yeah. got Lando, and um, <laughs> and that just is a fantastic Star Wars moment. Like that's the moment where you're like, this is Star Wars at its best. Um, yeah, we did it, guys. We got through all the movies. Oh. We'll have to do another time for holiday specials and TV shows. I'll have to watch the holidays. You should, you should go to thegeekscorner.com. That is thegeekscorner.com. It is a website, whether we are all sitting together at a various distances apart, you can bet that we're going to ask you to watch them. That's accurate. You should go to dapsmagic.com. Check out all the Disney and geek news as it happens. Tomorrow might be a very big day for Walt Disney World news. Who knows? Subscribe to our mailing list to find out. And also find our Patreon to not find out about Florida, but to find out about us. And to interrupt the flow real quick, please tune in on Thursday for our third episode of Daps and Dragons. Daps and Dragons is going to be our third episode streaming this Thursday at 8. On the Daps Magic YouTube, which you are hopefully watching or listening to right now. And if you haven't yet, head on over and make sure to subscribe to us on YouTube because we've got a lot of videos from the past coming up. We've got a lot of uh, archived stuff that we are digging into and posting. Both Murray and I are digging into old videos and getting them up. And if you have any you'd like to share with us, we would love to post those as well. But that is all the time we have for you this week. In fact, we went over quite a bit, so we apologize for that if you were keeping to a schedule, which we apparently were not. (laughs) 
sorry. We started doing Star Wars, guys. We really tried, but May the 4th. Anyway, uh, that's all the time we have for you this week, so we'll see you around the corner. Bye.